This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Here we go again. Decibel Geek Podcast time. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined by Chris Sinzak. How's it going, my friend? Awesome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I am just waiting to see what you've got up your sleeve today. Okay, well, so uh, we're going to take a visit into the Decibel Geek Vault. Yeah, this is pretty cool because what? You told me this like three years ago? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm probably in trouble for doing it, for waiting this long. Um, I took a left past the Fortress of Solitude and was behind the mayonnaise, and I found this... Uh, Interview that I recorded back in December of 2011, I think. From the deepest, darkest depths of parts unknown. So let me explain what you're going to get today. And you may have, you've already seen the name of the person. You may be like, who is Blanche Napoleon? Because it's not like a super well-known name, but you're going to love the stories you get today. Um, Blanche Napoleon, the reason I contacted her to begin with back in 2011 was I was in the midst of Vinnie Vincent mania at the time. Right. You know, the first two episodes had blown up so then i started thinking well let's let's dig in and get more people that were around him yeah because back then we were like the the vinnie vincent podcast you know according to some we still are (laughs) but uh i uh but i was so uh, and also around that time um vinnie appearing in a video for dan hartman's band instant replay right with him and uh ge smith of that was going to the saturday night live that album over yeah yeah there's a there was a video that kind of went viral of you know them acting goofy on camera yeah for this 70s promo video and um so i was i kind of combined the two ideas i was like well this video is kind of hot now and Vinny was in this band. Let me see who was in this band. And initially I talked to Hilly Michaels, who's the drummer with the big afro in the video. And um, he was he was kind of interested, but he passed. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. And um, so then I and then I think he may have even told me, why don't you contact Blanche, who was the backup singer on the album? So I found her on Facebook, where I find most of our interview subjects. There's no big secret to how we get a lot right. of these interviews. It's just you reach out to people. You look them up, yeah. And I found, and Blanche Napoleon's a pretty one-of-a-kind name, so I found her with no problem. And I got in touch with her and I on Facebook, and I was like, hey, you know, I do these episodes, and we do these specials on Vinnie Vincent, and you worked with him uh, in the Dan Hartman band. Would you be interested in talking about your time working with him? And she told me right off the bat, I, you know, my time with him was very limited, but I'll talk if you want. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't know if I want to get a lot out of this. So I set up a call with her and we talked over Skype. And But what the reason you haven't heard it until now is the Vinnie Vincent portion of it is not super in-depth because she was, like she said, she was limited with her dealings with him. Um, has good things to say about him. Shocker. Yeah. But... Um, some people do. Yeah, and this was when Vinny was really young, like yeah. I guess in his early 20s at this time. This is the late 70s. And the Dan Hartman group was formed out of Connecticut, so this is before he even made the move to L.A. Right. Um, but there's interesting stories about him, yes, but Straight I didn't... Straight out of that Connecticut rock scene. Right, but <laughs> but I didn't get like enough for you know a full-on long interview about Vinny, but 
she had so many great stories about other stuff. I was like, well, this would make a really good episode on its own. So basically what you're telling us is that, you know, you the idea was to get get Blanche on to do a Vinnie Vincent episode. But what it turned into was such a long, interesting interview that it just stands on its own. It does. And it, it got shelved because it's not super hard rock and metal related, but it's a good time capsule of like the late seventies. Like she was heavily involved with the, the studio 54 crowd and the, the New York glitter scene at that time. And there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff about the winter brothers. Like I think she dated one of the winter brothers. Right. On. This is going to be new to listen to me. That's Cause cool. I haven't heard this interview in years either. So. I can't wait to hear it. So, um, yeah, th- this is a uh, Blanche Napoleon and I apologies to Blanche for taking so long to put this thing out. Well, I guess before we get into it, we should probably uh, name geeks of the week. I'm, I'm really excited to hear it, but maybe we should do that first. Yeah. Let's do geeks of the week. Geeks of the week this week are David Alpazar, Mike Blunt, Danny Allen Clark, Matt Ashcraft, Devin Fox, Brent Walter, Joseph CM Belly, Scott Ollinger, Mark Alden Taylor, Joe Lascon, Matt Severson of the Paperback Rocker Podcast, Joe Royland of the Sit and Spin with Joe Podcast, Ian Wiley of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Chris Caram, Joey Vancieri, Jeff Hoagland, James Brendan Dunn, Warren Money, Ken Mills of Podcast and Cheap Talk Podcast, Wayne Newburn, Darren Parkin, Chad Pollock, Gus G shared it. Derek Novak, Hard Rocking Trivia Show, Jason Wood, The Mooger Fugger, John Sturm, Music Mags and Wax, Billy Hardaway, Daniel Chaput, Raw Magazine, Hot Metal, Metal Magazine, Loudmouth, and Faces Rocks Magazine. Thank you to everyone who shares and retweets the episodes. We really appreciate it, guys. You are advertising. We couldn't be where we are without you. Yeah, we can't forget you, even though we're, I'm super stoked to hear about this. You know, just the little tidbits that you said you were telling me about, you know, sound, it's, this sounds super cool. I can't wait. It's a, it's a good talk, and I'm really interested in letting you guys check out how it sounds. So this is me from 2011 talking way with back. Blanche Napoleon. Enjoy. My, you know, my time and my exposure with him was, um, it was short and brief mm-hmm. because Dan, the way Dan worked was, um, he did, you know, he did like sessions. And so I, my work with him and doing all the background vocals, basically all the tracks were down and then I would come in and do my vocals. So I didn't have any that I can remember. And, you know, we're talking 1978, a long time ago. A lot has happened since then. But I don't recall that Benny and I were ever in the studio at the same time. So my exposure with Benny was when we did all our publicity mm-hmm. and, you know, PR shots and shooting for the album cover and the inside cover and stuff. Um, so it, it was brief in the sense that I, you know, I can't tell you much. I can tell you that what little time we had together was he was the nicest, the coolest, the sweetest guy, and not like a typical rock and roll guy. You know, I I had great exposure, and the reason I was in New York and I was recording because my best friend married Edgar Winter, mm-hmm. and uh, she was from Austin, and I was up there, and I was around Edgar and Johnny all the time, and, and because of sitting around the piano, singing and drinking tequila, Johnny excuse me, Edgar and Dan said, you've got a great voice, you need to take some voice lessons. And so that's how I progressed to recording with Dan. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't around Vinny a lot because we did did my vocals separately, the track separately. And so the exposure was uh, very little. But 
I was around a lot of rock and roll guys and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of musicians. And so I tell you that because it's a reference to what I found so interesting about Benny was he was so non-typical of a rock and roll guy. You know, he wasn't doing drugs. He wasn't drinking. He was like this guy next door, really cool, sweet, funny guy. Uh And when I've read by Googling about uh, later years with Vinny and and some, I I think, if I'm correct, some misunderstandings within the the KISS group, Mm -hmm. it surprises me because when I knew him in 1978, he was the guy next door. You know what I mean? Right, like very down to earth. He was down to earth, and he was just like almost like this sweet teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just the nicest guy you ever met. That, and the fact that he played a guitar was <laughs> in a, and hanging out with rock and rollers was kind of surprising because he wasn't that personality at all. Mm-hmm. He was like your kid brother. Uh-huh. And uh, I loved him because of that, because he was like a breath of fresh air. He was just sweet, nice, funny, adorable. Um, and when we did our photo sessions, and uh, he was just like always laughing, always joking, just the sweetest guy. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that's what that's what I know of him. Mm-hmm. And um, we did um, a couple of um, shows, and we did. Um, it was like this Dinah Shore did this special disco show or something at Studio 54, and um, we were all there for that. And that was probably the last time that I was not in a studio, but like in a a situation where there was an audience, it was all taped and whatever, and saw him like in true performance mode, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And again, you would never guess this guy was like a hardcore rock and roller. Mm -hmm. He was just funny, laughing, easygoing, uh, a sweetheart, right. <laughs> you know, like just amazing. And, and not that anybody else wasn't, but just, you know, G.E. Smith was, you know, doing lead guitar for us. And, and he too was like the, one of the nicest guys you ever met. And so I think when I reflect back, Dan was very, uh, I think very deliberate in who he chose to, to do this album with. And when you think of Hilly Michaels, Hilly was the funniest guy on the planet, too, always laughing and giggling. So it's interesting when you look back on those three characters at that time in their career, they were all lovely, funny, hysterical, cool guys that weren't druggies, and uh, which was what most everybody else was doing. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, it was kind of a. It was Does definitely... that sound like the Vinny you know? That's well. That's why I wanted to have you on the show because this is sort of. Well, I have heard stories of him being down to earth and nice, but then there's such a. I, I don't know how much you know about him in the later years, but there's such a dichotomy between what you're telling me and then what I've heard from people in the later years. You know. But, uh, and you know, uh, Chris, I went, I went and Googled uh, to see where, you know, what happened to Vinny afterwards because, you know, I moved into the fashion industry and quit recording. I guess my last recording was I did background vocals on some commercials that Dan wa- wrote and produced. 
And then I, I literally walked away from the music industry and went on my and, and, and been you know, 30 years in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what happened to Vinny. Right. And especially after Dan's death, I, I don't recall if Vinny was at the memorial service or not. I know I was asked to stand up and speak along with a couple of people. I don't recall that Vinny was there, mm-hmm. and that was 94, 93 or something. Okay. Um, so I, too, thought after I heard from you, I thought, you know, I'm going to go and Google and see what happened. Mm-hmm. And there's mention of difficult times between him and the KISS members. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that just last week and going, boy, that is not the Vinny I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's almost like the, like the tale of uh, two different people, you know. It is. And, and and when you look, if you look at the photograph of of us, which is the inside sleeve for the Instant Replay album, I mean, you can see um, that it's a group of just fun-loving, fun people. And then what happened was we decided to, if you go on and do a YouTube on Instant Replay, it's all the guys without me. I was what gonna, we did yeah, was I was going to ask you about you, that because that that okay, video. What happened <laughs> was uh, we were all there, and they asked me to pretend I was doing the Edgar Winter Party because Edgar actually did some electrical keyboard on that, which doesn't doesn't credit him, credit him for that, but he did. Mm-hmm. So when they were filming, they said, "Bless, we want you standing at the electrical piano as you do your backgrounds." And I was really uncomfortable with it because I didn't play the piano, mm-hmm. and I felt silly and stupid doing that. So we started the video, and they were recording, and I, and it just the the guys doing the camera work and stuff. We we did a take, and they said to they kind of walked to the side and told Dan, you know, she's distracting. Oh, really? And so. Yeah, and so they thought, okay, we're just going to do the four guys, um, which was very upsetting to me because I, the four guys, you know, not all, all of them played on every single song. I did the background vocals on every single song, mm-hmm. so I was a little upset by it. But um, you know, at, at that time, you know, my my whole experience in, in recording was an accident because just because Edgar and Dan thought I had a great voice and wanted me to record and then Dan you know I did a one song with him and then it led to the, the other side and then it led to two albums so I just said whatever and I left right. um, and so I would that's why that YouTube doesn't have me in it and it's really silly because when you watch it and you listen you can hear that now there's hear female <laughs> vocal you can hear me but you don't see me um, but when you do watch that YouTube, regardless of that, you know, that you can see the Vinny that I knew. He is playful and jumping around and happy. And that that little video they did of that is so typical of the Vinny that I'm talking about. Right. It's just... And so, you know, I hear this later stories and go, what the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the hell happened? It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Well, it's 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 also interesting to hear the story about the vid- the uh, video because I don't know if you know this or not, but it, you've heard of it, like an internet meme. That video on a, in a on a smaller level, but it, it's sort of become an internet meme over the last couple of years, where a lot of rock and roll and heavy metal sites have, p- people have been posting that video everywhere because it's 
because they're saying this is the guy that was in Kiss, you know, because it, it's it's so different than you know the the evil looking makeup and everything from from yeah, Kiss, yeah. and you know you know, and then the history with G, with GE <laughs> Smith, known from Saturday Night Live and everything, and it's like right. wow, look at it's like kind of a like a time capsule or something. It, well, it's so extraordinary because that also the GE I knew. Is the same. He he. We used to go shopping for vintage ties. He collected fabulous vintage ties. Mm-hmm. That's the GE I knew. This again. The guy next door, cool guy, living in Connecticut, fun, hysterical, funny, no attitude. I mean, I I am here to tell you that I was around a lot of drugs in that. <laughs> circle of people without mentioning any names mm-hmm. there were hardcore blues people around and you know who i'm talking about mm-hmm. and the drug scene was so intense and ge hilly Vinny, and dan dan did not do drugs mm-hmm. dan didn't even smoke pot these were four guys that were like your teenage brothers yeah i mean they were just the nicest funny hysterical laughing we had so much fun uh, and then they all, you know, go through, I don't know whatever happened to Hilly, but we all know what what, what happened with G.E. Smith. And then you see him on, on Saturday Night Live. But I'll give you a great, just a real quick G.E. Smith story. So fast forward, it's 1985, and I am I am in the fashion industry, and I'm in Chicago with my sales rep because I was um, I was a president of Kenneth Cole Women's, and we were go, going through the Midwest. And we're in Chicago at the Ritz-Carlton. We come up in the elevator. The door's open, and there is. Now, this is the last time I saw G's was probably 79 or 80, probably mm-hmm. 80. There's G.E. standing there with Hall and & Oates and uh, <laughs> Phil Collins. Wow. And the elevator door opens, and G.E. goes, Blanche. And I go, G.E.? And we laugh and giggle. Mm-hmm. He says, come to the party later. We're staying at the hotel, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And to watch him then, you know, on that tour with Hall and Oates, when you see the videos or whatever, you know, he was still sweet G.E. Smith. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's the same as Vinny. I mean, these were guys that just were these just really funny, sweet, cool guys that happened to be on this incredible, crazy uh, song that became such a hit and several, you know, which led to this and that. And then to know later where they, where their careers took them, it's just wild. Yeah. And, and Dan was quite a talent too, just taken way too young, um, you know, wrote some really good stuff. Um, and instant replay. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I, you know, my whole life, uh, you don't know how many sporting events I've been to where that song has gotten played. Oh, Oh, well, I'll tell you a great story too. So now, you know, I go forward with my life. I'm in the fashion industry. Um, you know, uh, Dan and I stayed in touch, and then we lost because I'm traveling all over Italy with the fashion industry. And so I was actually in Germany. When I got up, I, I called home to pick up my voice messages back then. We didn't have cell phones, and uh, or I didn't in 93. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. And I, Nona Hendricks has left me a voicemail on my message saying, please call right away. Dan has passed away, and we're having a memorial service. And I'm in Germany when I get this message, and I come home. So I hadn't seen Dan probably in three years mm-hmm. when when he passed away. And I come home, and I'm just like, are you? I was just devastated because he was like a brother to. We were like brother and sister. We just absolutely adored each other and loved each other. And I went to the service, but um, when I when I tell you that, I had no idea. 
how talented Dan was until, you know, probably the second album when we did Relight My Fire. And I realized that Dan was writing, producing. He was writing commercials for product that I was singing the background vocals to for commercials for television. I don't know that people know how talented Dan was. And when we had his memorial service and Roberta Flack stood up and talked, and there were several great musicians that stood up and talked about their work with him, mm-hmm. I was blown away myself. Because mm-hmm. even I didn't know, and Dan and I were like brother and sister. I don't think that Dan ever got the credit he deserved for just how talented he was. Oh, I agree. Well, one one of my favorite songs is uh, Free Ride, and I didn't know till recently that he had written that song. Yeah, he wrote that. Do you know he and I re-recorded that? Um, on the 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 uh, Relight My Fire album, it's on that. Oh, really? We we re-recorded it together, and um, it's really interesting because it's really hard to tell the difference uh, when you listen to it. But you you should track it down, um, or maybe yeah, I think it was the that the Relight My Fire album because then we did he did another album, It Hurts to Be in Love, and like in '82 or something, and. I uh, went to Neil Sedaka's apartment with him because he wanted, he had Neil's blessing to do the song and re-recorded that Gene Pitney song. Um, Dan, oh my God, he was so talented. And when we were all living in Connecticut, when uh, I moved back into the city in 79, and but in 78 and 79 when we were doing all this recording, and Dan had so many musicians out there in the schoolhouse recording studio B.B. King, Muddy Waters, all these people would come and record in the studio with him. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I don't know if people ever knew this. I mean, just, he was amazing talent, but I'm sorry I'm taking it off of Benny and no, getting it's okay. Dan. No, but... Dan, Dan was a, it was very, more of an, like an under, under the radar talent, because like a lot of people, he was involved in so many things that so many of us know, but they don't know that it, that he was responsible for. You know? Absolutely. So, a- absolutely. The, I mean, the fact that he was writing and producing and and doing i mean he was writing orchestration p- parts you know violins and stuff this guy you know dan was just so beyond what a rock and roller role musician did you know i mean they're all extremely talented in what they do but he was so diversified in what he could write and produce and stuff i mean he really was it's really sad that his life ended at such a young age cuz i think that even though he didn't have great hits after Instant Replay and Relight My Fire, it's the other work he did, you know, for Tina Turner and for this one and that one that go unnoticed, and it's a shame. Mm -hmm. You know, really a shame. But, you know, Dan himself, you know, when I think, look back on these characters, you know, Dan was in the Edgar Winter group, and there was some heavy, crazy stuff going on back then. And Dan was always the perky, you know, cute little boy with the dimples next door. And when I moved up to New York in 75, every weekend I was out at, at Edgar and Roma's house, and they had this huge estate. Uh, it was actually the Fleischmann Yeast family estate, and they divided the house basically in half, and Dan lived in one half, and Edgar and Roma lived in the other, and there was a studio upstairs. And so Dan lived there as well as Edgar, mm-hmm. and I was out there every single weekend and would be in the little studio area singing and all these other musicians johnny would come and all these people and they're all doing all what they do (laughs) and dan was always you know just cute and adorable and skipping around and 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 i and um he was just 
like a little kid. Mm -hmm. So when you look at who he put together for this instant replay, Mm -hmm. you know, they were all, he chose other musicians that were very similar to himself at that point in their lives. He's going cool, kind of like teenage boys. Do you you remember how how he got Vinny or was it his choice to bring Vinny into the group? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely his choice. You know, the one thing about Dan was, Dan was extremely, he was what you would call today passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. He was very easygoing, but he was very direct in his, you know, he got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He got it done his way, and it was very passive and without causing and making waves, but he got what he wanted. And, oh, he was absolutely 100% in charge of, oh, and did you know... When he, you know, he, they were with Blue Sky Records at the Winter Group, mm-hmm. and when Dan wanted to do the instant replay and do disco, Steve Paul said, "I'm having nothing to do with it." So, when we recorded instant replay, Dan paid for that demo, did paid for everything because Blue Sky, Steve Paul would not uh, have anything to do with disco music. Mm. So we we recorded instant replay, and one night we were dancing at Studio 54, and it came on after he. Pr- me nobody was going to hear this right and i'm dancing and all of a sudden instant replay comes on and i'm like oh my god what the fuck um, I, can't, I can't believe he's playing this you know and so then the, the the club started demanding more and that's why we did the flip side which led to the album steve paul would have nothing to do with that first album mm-hmm. and so when i i'm telling you this only because when dan broke away and said, well, you know, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. He was 100% in charge of who those musicians were going to be and what it was going to be without Steve Paul, anyone at CBS, Sony or Sony Records, I guess, back then, having anything to do with who he chose to be his musicians and what he was writing and what he was going to record. Right. Okay. Well, and uh, am I correct in assuming that Vinny was involved on the Instant Replay album, but I don't think he wasn't involved on the one after that. Is that right? No, no. And I think when you, when, and, 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 you know, like I say, it's been so many years, um, but I believe if you look at the Relight My Fire credits, probably, Mm -hmm. you know, Dan did a lot of the instruments, I believe, himself. Like the Relight My Fire was kind of like his almost like a solo album. I, you know, I don't know. Go and look at the credits and stuff. But, yeah, none of them were involved. Again, well, I can't, I can't say none of them, but I know Vinny wasn't involved in Relight My Fire. But was that, that wasn't, it wasn't because of some animosity or anything, was it? Absolutely. Oh, no, absolutely oh, not. Okay. It was like, I, I just feel like Dan wanted to do just his own thing and you know like i say it's been so many years and i don't even i have i have <laughs> believe it or not still the uh the um what do you call it the um the albums that are stamped you know they're uh what are they called uh promotional mm-hmm. albums and i don't i don't have a turntable to play them on but um i, I don't recall if you look at all the credits back then just how many different musicians there were on there. I really feel like Dan did a lot of the instruments himself. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember who. But also by 79, I was going into the city a lot, and I had had been hired at Jordan, and so I wasn't in Connecticut the, all the time like I was in 78 when we were doing Instant Replay. And so I was going back and forth, so I wasn't in the studio like I was 
um, full time. I mean, I lived literally like half a mile from Dan um, when we were recording Instant Replay. Mm -hmm. And then by 79, I was living in the city, and so I was going back and forth for recording. And and basically, the the main reason I just finally walked away was I I had this great career going in the fashion industry. And Dan, so we'd have to record late at night early into the morning and then I would get into the city get a few hours of sleep and get up and have to do a day job you know oh, gosh. and and that's what kind of led me to saying you know what I never meant to be a musician in the first place it all happened by accident and I'm going down this other path mm-hmm. um, so but I know that it was not anything about Vinny doing anything weird or being uh, a difficult guy at all about not being on Relight My Fire absolutely not Oh, okay, okay. No. And um, and all I can tell you is that Vinny was the nicest, coolest, sweetest, most very funny, always making jokes, adorable, adorable guy. Yeah. And it well and how long did it take when you for you to realize that he was the guy in Kiss? Did you know at the time? Do you know absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. And and when you when I first saw your Facebook about it mm-hmm. is when I when I realized it uh-huh. and when you had said something. And so I went and Googled to find out. I had no idea, literally no idea that he ever was involved with Kiss. <laughs> and the, so the I'm the one who brought this to you. Huh? So I'm the one what? who I'm the, so I'm the one who, who brought this to you then. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I knew what happened to G.E. Smith. We all know what happened oh, to G.E. Sure. Smith. But but Hilly and Vin, Vinny, I had no idea. Mm. Because I literally just, you know, went on into the fashion industry, was traveling all over the world, and and um, and kind of turned my back on the industry. Um, but what I did want to tell you is Dan, when, when he passed away, uh, made sure that if the instant replay was used uh, on it for commercials or whatever is that I would get residuals mm-hmm. even though he he was very smart Dan he was a smart businessman he didn't form us as an official group so that we all would get residuals do you know what I mean right we weren't an official group so uh, but he made sure that so and the reason I found this out was Old Navy used instant replay uh, several years ago for uh, a major primetime commercial and the VP of marketing had to call me and have me sign a release to use it, and I was getting residuals. And I had no idea that Dan had done that for me. Wow. So, I, you know, the one thing I can tell you about Dan, too, is he probably is one of the most... I mean, he was very clever in never farming us as an official band, so he didn't have to pay residuals out, you know, like all band members would get. Mm-hmm. But we really weren't a band. We were literally just a bunch of studio musicians, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. that he pulled together to do this album. And uh, and we did a couple of shows, and, 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 and we went to Mexico one time, me and Dan, and we we um, did, a, did a show there. But um, we weren't a true band like the Edgar Winter Band, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why also I think we all kind of went our different ways and fell apart because we weren't really ever an official band. It was Dan Hartman. I see. And we were individual musicians um, that, rec- you know, did a re- recording with him. Uh, that's interesting. But, 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 but can you tell me, so Vinny was part of KISS. Uh-huh. It, what years was he with KISS? Uh, it was only just for a couple of years. It was for uh, 82 through early 84. 
Oh. And he was, he was uh, when he first joined them, he was in the makeup, and he was with them when they took off the makeup. Wow. So did you see any of the pictures of him in the makeup? No. Oh, I'll have to, send, have to, I'll have to put some of those on your Facebook wall. Yeah, he had oh, uh, his ma- his makeup design was white face like the other guys, but he had a uh, an Egyptian Ankh symbol on his on his head face. Wow! Wow! So, well, what do you think, Chris? Happened? What? Why do you think there was animosity and a and? Well, my, did you know Vinny at all? No, no, no. I I don't know Vinny yeah. personally. Um, I'm just a fan. I mean, I grew up a Kiss fan, yeah. and that's how I discovered him. But uh, no, I mean, um. There's a there's a whole lot to the story. I mean, I, I and I'll send you the links to the first two shows I did. Okay. Um, and I I will go ahead and, and preface it with that mo- the majority of it is not positive because it's he's a lot of strange things have happened with him over the the past twenty years in particular. So um, wow. It's uh, you know and 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 it breaks my heart as a fan of his and because I mean he was I know he didn't do probably do much writing with Dan but he. Um, and his body of work, he he did, he wrote some amazing songs over the years, and uh, he wrote some of Kiss's more well-known songs from the '80s for sure. Um, and wow. just a great songwriter. But I, if if I mean, if I had to pin it down, and I probably won't use this part on the show because I don't want to get in trouble. But I I think there's I think there's some mental illness going on. Um, okay. Because uh, it's. Some of it just defies explanation, um, but yeah, he did have a. Or maybe like um, maybe um, like manic depressive something and yeah, so, or bipolar or something. Yeah, 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 or bi- yeah bipolar. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I I get the sense because I've had people in my family and friends that have some friends that have had issues like that, and it, it's some of the behavior is similar. But and there's there, there's no doubting though that he did have a huge falling out with the the guys in Kiss. Um, mm. They Kiss was at their ultimate low point during the time he was in the group um not yeah. not due to him he actually saved their credibility quite a bit um because he wrote such great songs to help pull them out of the hole they were in but their uh their concerts attendance was about at an all-time low at the time he was in the group so um which i think forced the band to probably cut back on his salary because he was the new guy um yeah so he you know he but there's been a lot of legal stuff going back and forth in the courts for the last 20 years with with him and and kiss and it's just uh it's wow. it's really sad but i mean i part of and part of why i wanted to get you on because the first two had so much negative stuff that I, you had such positive things to say on facebook i was like i need to get some positive stuff in here because i i still i'm still a fan you know i'll always be a fan regardless of what he does in his in his personal life you know so absolutely so yeah i mean and, and, and uh, you know and i just know that that you know, once again, I mean, I can just repeat that, that whenever they, we were all together, which was, wasn't was very often because mm-hmm. we, would, we would all do our recording in the studios at different times, mm-hmm. uh, but when we were together and we did some publicity things, when we did the, uh, the sleeve inside and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, we did that Studio 54 thing, you know, Benny was just funny, sweet, uh, energetic, adorable. Uh, there was never any fighting going on i mean it just was like dan pulled this little spanking our gang group together i mean we were just we couldn't have been happier having more fun no drugs no drugs whatsoever because dan didn't do drugs Mm -hmm. so dan did not allow anyone in his studio doing drugs not even smoking pot he did not allow any of it when everybody was doing all the white powder and all that even years later dan didn't touch it yeah so 
there was none of that going on. Mm. We were just having, and we weren't even drinking. There was not even alcohol going on with us. I mean, that's what's so amazing when you think about, we did this incredible album. Mm. None of us were on drugs. None of us were drinking. We were just having a blast. There wasn't much of that going on in the 70s. It was more of the uh, the drugging and the drinking at that point. So you guys were more of the but, exception than the rule. But but the crazy thing was in that house, though, and again, I'm not going to say any <laughs> names, but there were some major rock and roll guys in that house and, and around all the time doing lots of stuff, but none of these guys and not Dan, you know. Right. So it was just... Uh, you know, and now to know all this from you later, mm -hmm. now I really appreciate that moment in time that we had and how innocent and how much fun it was. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of lives. One of the reasons I also walked away from the business was I did see a lot. There was so much drugging going on. And I was one of those people that was always on time. If you said we're going to start recording at three, I was there at a quarter of ready to go, and then everybody would drag their asses in. This is later <laughs> when I was doing some other stuff, and half of them would be stoned out of their minds, and I didn't do any of that stuff, so I lost my patience with them, mm -hmm. you know. And I, and I had to be honest with myself and say, we started recording four songs, and I was going to do a solo album in 1979 to 80, in the 80, I guess. And I just said, you know what? This is not the business I want to be in. I've seen it hurt and destroy people, and so... That was another reason I walked. Mm -hmm. But so it really makes me appreciate how innocent Vinny and GE were at that time, especially Vinny, to hear these stories because he was, it was just a sweet, pure, innocent time. And, it's, you know? and it seems like his, uh, his Connecticut era history is a lot more clean and happy for him. It seemed like once he moved out to Los Angeles, that's when everything went off the rails. Well, and you know what? It's like you're a product of your environment, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that, that the environment was very instrumental. When you think about it, because GE was living in Connecticut, Vinny was living in Connecticut, me and, and Dan both lived in Westport, um, it it was like, and I don't remember where Hilly was from, honestly. Um, it was just like these innocent kids mm -hmm. all in Connecticut. And I would I would have to say L.A. probably was responsible for the change in Vinny because you do become a product of your environment, and, and it's hard to uh, not get mixed up in it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a huge combination of just a lot of factors that, you know, and then, and then you also have the factor of fame because he... I mean, he had mm -hmm. he had moderate success with with Dan and everything, and but he didn't have the the big name success until he joined Kiss, and then obviously that kind of exposure is gonna is going to get to your head no matter who you are, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I can tell you, you know, literally my my best friend Roma was married to Edgar, and and being with when Edgar Winter was really at its heat, and because uh, I moved to New York in '75, and so you know '74, '75, '76, they were hot, mm -hmm. and we couldn't go anywhere walking around, and we couldn't go anywhere, and there was just mob scenes all the time. And I could see the effect that it had on Edgar. And Edgar happened to be one of the nicest guys. And we would literally sit around and drink tequila, shots of tequila, and laugh and giggle and play the piano at night. And the impact that the, the celebrity had on him was it really drugged him. It just not drugged him. It dra dragged is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Dragged him down in, into almost depression. Sometimes mm -hmm. he just felt like he was 
he couldn't leave the house. And so when, with Kiss, oh, my God, it must have been a tremendous uh Suddenly, you're just, are you kidding me? Who didn't know Kiss? Did, you know, <laughs> I, I can't imagine little Vinny, <laughs> little Vinny being a part of that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in the first half of... And dealing with it. Well, the first you know? the first half of the time he was with them was when no one still knew what they looked like without the makeup. So they, he had to do the whole incognito thing, you know. So, wow. and Kiss fans, me being one of them, I'll, I'm, I'm no shame in my game. We are fanatical people. So... I'm sure they had no shortage of of nutty fans trying to get at them all the time, and you know that that's got to mess with oh, you after yeah. a while. I mean, we would all. I can tell you, they had the house out on on Sands Point, Long Island. We would be upstairs. It'd be one o'clock in the morning. We'd be watching a movie. Uh, Edgar loved to watch, you know, black and white movies, old movies, and we'd come downstairs, go to the kitchen, and there'd be thirty people in the living room that. Edgar Roma didn't know who they were. They were just people down there helping themselves and whatever. And and that was Edgar. And the in and by seventy six and seventy seven, can you imagine? Wow. He wasn't even you know what it was like for Vinny and them. I, I mean, I, now that I know he was a part of that, I mean, it just had to be unbelievable because I saw what it could would do to Edgar, and mm-hmm. he wasn't near the fame of Kiss. Right. Well, yeah, but I I oh, well, I have tons of respect for. For the Winter Brothers, I mean that. I mean, oh my God! Some, some amazing songs over the years there, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, oh, and, and and I can tell you that, uh, what you know, everybody hears things, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I had personal experience of being in Edgar's home with Johnny, with Edgar, all sitting around having dinner, all this stuff, and they were really nice boys from Texas, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and yeah, there were there was the other along the side and the, you know all the blah 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 mm-hmm. but but they were two nice guys i went to edgar's wedding and um and and johnny was best man even though in his new book raising cane he denies being there it's hysterical because hmm. johnny was not only at edgar's wedding when he married roma because roma was johnny's girlfriend before oh <laughs> but which is uh, like I, the stories i could tell you but she was with johnny first mm-hmm. and johnny that was when johnny got it was early 70s got really involved in heroin and she couldn't take it, so she came back to Texas, which is when I met her. And then a couple of years later, Edgar came to town, was on tour, they started dating, and she ended up marrying Edgar. So Johnny's take in his book, Raising Cain, which, by the way, you should get it and read it because it's, it's wonderful, but he does have a selective memory. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny was best man for Edgar when Edgar married Roma, but he called, and her name was Carol when she was with Johnny, and he claims he wasn't even at the wedding. It's hysterical. Wow. This is what drugs will do to you, right? But, <laughs> but I will tell you that as crazy as they were, they were, once again, they were just nice guys from mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. You know, but, but anyway, I, um, I, I just, I can't, I would love, I wonder where Benny is now. Do you know? I, Actually, I live about fifteen minutes fifteen minutes away from him. Really? <laughs> yeah, no lie. Um, I live in Nashville, and he. I just, well, I'm just about twenty minutes outside of Nashville, and he's about fifteen minutes further away from me. So. Wow. But yeah. He, I wonder. You know, it's so funny when you say like I know G.E. Smith would remember me because we ran into each other later, and probably Hilly would too. I wonder if Vinny would. But um, I'm I'm glad that I can be able to tell you that he was a sweetheart. 
No, I'm I'm happy to hear that because I mean it's there's so much negative out there about him, but I'm still a fan. I wouldn't be doing these episodes on him unless I you know was still uh-huh. a, a fan of his. It's not I'm I'm because I mean he, I don't know he he was on the front page of TMZ a few months back with all the thing with his wife and everything, and so I'm I'm trying not to be sensational about. It. I'm trying to take it more from a pa- fan's perspective, and that's why I wanted yeah. you to come on because I mean there's been enough negative about him, but. Uh, and also that that it, I don't know I, I I need to you need to look at the view count on that instant replay video because I mean it's it's been it's had serious popularity over the last couple of years. <laughs> wow, that's incredible! And you know, see, I wouldn't know that because I didn't know he was in Kiss, so I wouldn't even right. I wouldn't even know well, that. All the, are the, I wouldn't even know that. All the hard rock and metal fans are like. This is Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> look at look at how he's dancing in this video. <laughs> so because it's it is such a kind of an off the wall video from good but you know it was a product oh, it's of totally off the wall and the funniest thing is you know when we were doing it and we did two takes when i was in it behind mm-hmm. the electric piano and and i just hated it you know i hated what they were having me to do so obviously it showed because they decided it was a distraction <laughs> um uh and 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 it really upset me but at the same time i was like whatever you know <laughs> because, uh but when you watch that video, it, it don't when you look at it, don't you think it's like so? Um, what is the word? It's it's like kids. It's like a bunch of kids having fun. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, who was who was who was the, to chore- the point of like clowns? Yeah. Who was right? the, Whose idea was the choreography? Dan and the guy <laughs> behind the camera. Oh really? Yeah. You're like I have to tell you, Dan happens to he was like one of the worst. We used to go to studio to get. Well, I mean, Dan and I were like, we were like brother and sister. We loved each other, and we danced all the time. And I was, you know, I knew that he was gay, and nobody knew, and he hid it all the time, and he had to hide that. That was another thing. He had to hide that all the time. But Dan would call me up. This is great. You're going to love this. When when we were going to record, Dan would call me up and say, "Put your high heels on and come over." Mm-hmm. Now, if you called me or some other heterosexual man called me and said that. I would come over my high heels, and there's one thing that would probably happen. Mm-hmm. With Dan, it meant we were going to record because I could only get attitude and sing and hit the high notes when I was in high heels. <laughs> I couldn't do it, like, in sneakers or something in the studio. And so that was his, he would call me up and say, put your high heels and come over. <laughs> and so at his memorial service, I told that story, and everybody was hysterical because, <laughs> you know, it, if most men called you on the put your high heels and uh-huh. come over, there was a lot more that was going to go on. <laughs> There's going to be no tracks being cut. <laughs> right, yeah. But Dan loved to dance, but he was a horrible dancer. Horrible. <laughs> well, Vinny wasn't and much so, better. <laughs> right, okay. So that's why when I watch that... I, there's no anger or resentment that I'm not in that. I could care less. <laughs> what I do is I watch it and I laugh because they are so awful. Well, it's just it's, just, it's such a goofy thing. It's almost like the director said, "Act as cheesy as you possibly can, guys." Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and oh God, it was just it, it, it's hysterical to watch it. But Dan and I would go to studio one night. We were to studio. I'm sorry, I'm taking up all this time, no, no, but it's, it's so great. fun to tell somebody these stories because. You know, I went into the fashion industry, and people for 20 years didn't know that I ever, ever, ever recorded and was singing. So nobody even knew any of the stories. But one night, we drove Dan's car, me and Dan, into the city to go to studio and dance all night long. And we were somewhere on the west side, and literally the engine fell out of the car. We hit this horrible pothole, and the fucking engine fell out of the car. <laughs> and Dan pulls the car over, and we're like, 
oh, God, what, we have to deal with this. He goes, we're not dealing with this now. He locked the car. We went to the studio. We danced till like, 5 in the morning. <laughs> and then we went back to deal with the car. <laughs> we were not letting the car get in the way of us dancing all night. There you go. <laughs> but that's a typical dance story. I mean, he was like a little boy. He couldn't dance good. He was a horrible dancer, <laughs> but he was bound and determined to be dancing on that video. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and that's why they all look like a bunch of idiots, because Dan did. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I wonder what G.E. Smith thinks of, of that video now. He must cringe, because he, he turned out to be one of the coolest dudes ever, right? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, just suave, cool mother. And uh, he probably wants to kill and just die when that's, he sees that. Oh, I mean, I, you know? yeah, I, I grew up watching him, you know, every commercial break on Saturday Night Live. There was GE playing some really awesome guitar uh, part, you know. <laughs> and, and, and just that, that look on his face. And, mm -hmm. the, and, you know, I mean, this is he just became the coolest, coolest guy, and he still is, you know. And I'm so upset because this summer he played at that, there's a really famous club that's at the tip of Long Island, Montauk. Um, and I'm in Quag, which is near West Hampton. And to get from West Hampton out to that club is like two-hour drive, mm. two hours, three hours at least. And I read in the paper that he and his wife were going to be at, at that club. And I wanted to go and say hello so badly. But I just I said, I'm not driving three hours, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know what he's like now. But what I know from watching him on Saturday Night Live and, and – and, um, his tour with Hall and Oates and all that stuff. I mean, he just was, he was always a cool guy, but he was like a funny, sweet, innocent guy back in 78. But mm -hmm. I think that uh, he's probably still probably one of the coolest guys around. Yeah. Have you talked to any of those guys in a while? No. You know, it's really, it's really sad because I, you know, I, I got involved in the, in the fashion industry and, you know, the rest is history. And, and I've had this unbelievable career with fashion traveling all over the world and and um and just kind of left the music industry behind so to speak you know it just mm -hmm. kind of went on my way and and like i say it was all an accident i was recording anyway um but if there was you know two people i would say besides dan of course that i would want to still know it would be Vinny and ge yeah yeah sounds like it holds a, a good place in your heart from from all those years oh ago. my god I mean, and to know, and you know, I was not a musician, you know, Chris. I, I, I never meant to be, and it all happened by accident. Just that I had a good voice, and Dan believed in me, and he paid. He and Edgar paid for my first voice lesson together, and said, "Take one lesson. It's paid for. You don't have to keep going, but just do us a favor. Take the first lesson. It was with a woman named Ann Rucker." And so I did, and of course I loved it, and so I started taking voice lessons and learned to accompany myself on the piano, just enough to be doing chords, you know, uh -huh. to, uh, and then and, and kept taking my voice lessons, which was great because when I started recording the whole album with Dan, I actually, you know, had lessons and, and was learning voice control and stuff. Um, but it was just never anything I intended to do. It really just was an accident because of who I knew in the industry. Right. So uh, that's why I don't look back and have regrets that I, I walked away from it or anything like that because it was never on the radar for me. It just kind of happened. Right. But I, I feel so blessed and fortunate that my tiny little uh, experience in the music industry was with some of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Right. And did you... You know, I have... 
no bad memories, no negativity. It is the most pleasant, fun memories I have, Mm -hmm. you know. That's great. And so I think I'm lucky for that. Absolutely. And did you think that this many years later you'd be talking about it on some internet radio show? Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what will happen. Uh People will hear Instant Replay, Uh and they'll call me and go, I'm somewhere and that song you sang on is playing. And and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Because as fabulous as it is, uh-huh. you know, there's just something so funny and almost uh, play-like about it that mm-hmm. it, that I don't feel like we're singing. We're just, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's like like this, it's not like the serious music. Although I, you know, I think there were some songs like I liked. I love the song "Love Is a Natural" that's on the Instant Replay album. I really loved that song, and I, I thought it was wonderful. But. But anyway, no, I I look back on it with great love, and I was so fortunate, and I had such a great time, and 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 the experience, and all the musicians that I met, and whatever, it was just fabulous, you know. But it was never something I intended to do, so I just feel like I was just really fortunate to have this crazy experience in my life, and. And, and, and Dan would drag me around everywhere with him, and we would hang out with David Johansson. And I mean, it was just crazy, Chris, that all these people I would be with because of Dan. Dan would drag me everywhere. I was like the pretend girlfriend, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, we would go everywhere together because I had no interest in him sexually, and he certainly didn't have any interest in me sexually. <laughs> so we were just like best buddies. Mm-hmm. And I would go everywhere with him, and 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 he just, you know exposed me to the to amazing musicians and a, an incredible time and then you know i went into the next chapter of my life all right sounds good blanche well thanks okay. so much for taking the time okay thanks chris have a great night okay bye-bye big thanks to blanche napoleon for coming on the show i know it's super late getting it out but uh I hope you guys enjoyed that. It's an interesting talk. It's better late than never. I know she might be a little mad at you for uh, waiting so long to release it, but I'm glad, I'm glad we all finally got to hear that. And yeah, some really great stories in there. Very it, cool it stuff. Des- it deserved to be heard. So, yeah, it, it, more proof that if I had a time machine, I would go to New York in the 1970s. Oh, it's such an yeah. interesting place and an interesting time. Totally would. So, got a lot planned coming up, and uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll see you then. See you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.